Good morning. How we doing? Man, if, uh, if God inhabits the praises of his people, then this is a good place to be this morning. Amen? Because there was some praise this morning for his name, and, and that's the church we want to be. We want to be the church full of believers that every breath in them uh, is only there to lift praises to the name of the one who deserves it. Um, my name's Eric Smith. I'm a Connect Group leader here at Connection Church Savannah, and I just want to um, second Michael's welcome. If you're new here this morning, we're so excited that you're here. Um, we're so excited about God bringing you into this place. If you um, are part of the family, we're, we're just as excited that you're here this morning, too. This is, this is a place where we come together and celebrate what God's done. It's a place we come together and, and praise his name and encourage one another and love one another. And so we're just excited about what God's doing. And, and like Michael said, it's been an incredible uh, three weeks as we've been in this series, Saved and Secured. Um, God has been uh, revealing himself to us in his word. He's been leading us in a direction that's uh, moving towards uh, pushing back against that doubt and that fear and those anxieties and those worries that wind up paralyzing us and moving us into a place where we're just cemented in the assurance of who we are in Christ. And, and uh, the hope today is that we get to see where that pushes us as far as the fruit that assurance can bring. Um, so we're excited about it. The, the verse we've been using sort of as the baseline for this entire thing is 1 John 5.13. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And the important part of that, what we got from that is the so that you may know. That we see in John, we see what he's doing. We see he's laying out these tangibles. He, he's sending the, this letter to the church to establish some tangible, some measurables, so that there's no fight, no wavering between the assurance that, that this is what it is, this is how you know, and therefore you can determine if you are in Christ or if you're not, and if you're not, then here's the good news. And so we need to get to work. We need to go ahead and get started this morning. So if you will, we're going to pray real quick, and we'll jump right into it. Grace Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for who you are to us. We thank you for your love that you pour out on us. We thank you that, that you know us, that you know our hearts, you know who we are, and you love us anyways, Lord, right where we are, Lord. We, lo we, lo we thank you that you are always working on our behalf, Lord, even when we can't see it, Lord. You're still at work uh, wooing us, revealing yourself to us, showing us, trying to draw us into a greater understanding of who you are, Lord. And so, Lord, this morning, we just want to come to you with hearts that are right for what you have for us, Lord. Lord, we want to come with hearts that are willing to search ourselves, Lord, to allow the Holy Spirit to search us, and we're just praying that we have hearts to hear, hearts to receive, to know that as you search us, as we search ourselves, Lord, that that's leading us into a greater understanding of who you are and what you've done for us, Lord, that that's leading us into the potential of a response that will bear such an assurance of who we are in you that the fruit will abound in this place, Lord. Lord, we want to be a church full of people who are assured in the name of Jesus Christ, assured in our salvation. We want to be a place that's moving forward beyond the doubts of anything else other than we are children of God. So, Lord, we just ask you into this place this morning. We ask you in this time, Lord, as we break your word open, Lord, search our hearts and reveal to us what you would have for us this morning. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place, and we thank you and praise you for that. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So, we're going to be in 1 John 2, 3 through 8. So, while, you, uh, while you're turning there, if you haven't had a chance to, to walk with us through this series, I just want to encourage you to go back. Um, just get on the website, get on the app, and you'll be able to kind of go back and see how we've moved into this place. It's been an incredible couple of weeks, and I think it's something that's important for our walk 
um, and our relationship with God to sort of know what the Word says about that. And um, sometimes we just need that reminder. Uh, we need to be um, reassured every once in a while because we know that, that, that that's necessary for us as believers. So if you're there, we're just going to go ahead and read, and then we'll kind of tease it out a little bit. It says, starting at 3, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. And this is how we know we are in him. And circle that. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. And we're going to skip down to 24. It says, as for you, see what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real and not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And so Michael spent, you know, the last three weeks kind of explaining this letter every chance he's had when he's been in it, that, that this letter is full of inferences for new believers. It was written to new believers. We know that. Um, it was intended to sort of remind them of where they are and who they are in, the, in Christ and remind them of the message that was given to them. We know that it was um, a letter that was intended to be circulated because it's not addressed to a specific church. And so we can tell that that meant he, would, uh, he sent this letter in order for it to be passed around because it wasn't just one church that was dealing with these issues. It was multiple churches. It was new believers amongst the churches that had been established struggling with where they were because there were those that were among them that were trying to lead them astray. They were trying to distort the gospel message. They were trying to initiate doubt in order to pervert what they knew to be the message that had transformed their lives. And so we know this is a real thing. We know that's something that happens, and we can see it here that, that John's sending something that's incredible because He's pushing back against that doubt because we know, isn't that what the enemy's been using forever anyway since the very beginning, instilling a little bit of doubt? All the way back to the garden, we can see it. It's the way he works. If I can just instill a little bit of doubt, if I can just create this thought process that maybe you're not who you say you are and maybe God's not who he says he is, then we've got him. And, and so this letter is incredible, and it's one of my favorite letters because I love the way John writes us to them. I love the way that he gives them the tangible examples, the measurables that are important for us. I like that in my life. I like being able to see if you do this, then that. If you are in Christ, then you will do this. If Christ is in you, then you will be none of this. There will be none of this. If we claim this, but we don't do it, then we're a liar. If we confess this, then God is faithful to do this, right? Measurables, tangibles, things that we can use. I love it. I like clear water, right? Now, I'm from South Georgia. I know what black water looks like. Black water's fun. You go out there, it's cold and all that stuff, but you don't really know what's in that water. 
You better be careful before you just jump in because there's no telling if there's a stump down there that you're going to wind up landing on, right? I like clear water. I want to be able to see, right? I want to be able to navigate. It's easier when it's clear and it makes it available for me to see. And so Michael's went over this for the last couple of weeks, and, and it's been incredible. But, but what the main thing is God's desire for us is to live a life that's cemented in the assurance of our salvation. That's God's intention for us. He's pointed out that, that God's desire for us will never be able, or without God's desire for us of our assurance of salvation, we'll never be able to fully walk out God's plan for our life until we are secure in that faith, right? We'll never be what God's called us to be if we don't know who we are in him. It's just, we're going to have, we're going to fight, we're going to waver, we're going to have trouble. And so it's just been incredible to kind of walk through this because that assurance, that knowing how much God loves us, and hadn't he said it over and over and over again, even in the, um, if you were here last week for, or for Mother's Day, the Mother's Day video, you know, one of the things, the sweetest thing is that we just want our kids to know we love them, all right? That's God. He just wants us to know that he loves us. And when we, when we feel that love, when we receive that love, when we walk in that love, then that love does something in us. We have, a, we have a confidence, we have an assurance, and that assurance just builds something in us that God wants, and it eventually leads to the fruit that God desires for the accomplishing of his purpose for the kingdom. And so assurance gives us confidence. So let's play a game. You wanna play a game this morning? All right, here's the rules. I'm gonna ask you a question. As sure as you know the answer, you shoot your hand up as fast as you know it. All right, here's the other rule. I won't ask you for the answer as long as you're honest that you know the answer and shoot your hand up when you do. Because you're a good-looking crowd, but I can go ahead and tell there's a couple of cheaters in here. Right? So you want to play? All right, so let's start. As soon as you know the answer, you shoot it up. What's two times two? Good. What's four times four? Good. How about eight times eight? Good. About 11 times 11. Okay. How about 11 times 15? All right. You're a nerd. <laughs> 17 times 17. You are also a nerd for sure. But we could tell as we progressed through that that something was happening, right? The confidence and the assurance in the beginning was strong. Everybody, two, plus, two times two, I got that. Four times four, I got that. 11 times 11, eh. 11 times 15, now we're starting to struggle. And don't worry, I probably would have been out about the third round. But as we go through that, we see those hands don't go up as fast, right? And so that assurance, that confidence that comes with assurance, it sort of wanes when we don't know for sure, when we don't have it, right? We don't, it, our response seems to wane a little bit. And so if that's the case, our response it must be sort of connected to our confidence, right? To our assurance. The two sort of go together. And so we know assurance impacts our response. It just changes things for us. It gives us a confidence that we might not otherwise have. At two times two, you had a confidence you didn't have at 17 times 17, right? It looked different. And so that's an, that's an incredible thing, but I think it's something that, that's real because that's what God wants from us. He wants to remove all the doubt. He wants to remove all the skepticism. He wants to remove all of those things that, that get in the way of our assurances of who we are in him because those assurances are going to result in a response that bears fruit for the kingdom, that brings glory to his name. That's what we're called to do. And so 
that confidence, that assurance, it transforms us. It motivates us. It sanctifies us, right? It doesn't just clear the waters for us. It clears the waters for the people around us as well, right? Helps them to navigate who we are. Helps them to see who we are. It's not just and only just for us. I mean, have you ever been around that person that that there's no doubt they're assured in who they are? They may not be perfect because no one is, but it's abundantly obvious that they are secure in who they are in Jesus. Paul was that type of person, right? You could just see it didn't matter. He never wavered in his faith. His assurance drove him to be one of the greatest missionaries we have ever known. And it also kept him in a place to where even as he suffered greater than anyone ever had, he continued to lift the name of Jesus. You couldn't do anything to him. You couldn't hurt him. Nothing you tried to do ever wavered him in his faith. But I think it's safe to say that's not the lives of many Christians, right? We can't say that we sort of have that same confidence, that we have uh, that same assurance of our faith that keeps us from wavering in those moments, keeps us from, from holding on and just being confident in every situation. And see, the truth of the matter is the wavering's not the worst thing. Questioning's not the worst thing. In fact, it could actually be the desire of God for us to be in a place to where we have to self-assess, to where we just have to go, God, where am I at with you? How's the fruit of my life looking right now? Is the water clear for me? Is the water clear for those around me? How, how are we, God, right now? Am I doing, am I saying, am I being all that I'm called to be for you? Am I walking in, a, in that assurance and that faith? Do I even have it? Right? And so the questioning's not the problem. I mean, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 would have been encouraged to test ourselves. Right? It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, not realize, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And so sometimes that, that thing that causes us to waver is there for God's goodness in our life. Because it gets us into a place to possibly, we're, we're finally ready to go, okay, God, am I really who I say I am in you? Am I really the person that I've convinced myself that I am? Am I really the person that I tell everybody that I am? Have I even tricked myself? Have I I convinced myself that I'm something I'm not? Because I check all the boxes, right? Because that gets easy to do as a Christian. We have this little list of things, and it doesn't get too hard to where I check all the boxes, God. So then if that's the case, I must be who I'm supposed to be in you. And and so the questioning, the wavering, the the doubt sometimes, that's not the problem. The hope is that in that moment, we don't get paralyzed by it. We don't become immobile. We don't wind up sitting on our hands because we never accomplish, we never move into that place where we're really getting real with God. Just the questions that are alone are enough to stop us in our tracks. So I never want to respond. I never want to get real. I never want to go, okay, God, if I'm not who you say I am, show me because I want to be that. I want to be who you say I am. And if I'm just checking all the boxes, God, I want you to show me that in my heart. Because that's a goodness. That's something good for us. 
That's something that's going to bring us into that place that, that may be the realness that we've never seen. It may be the assurance that we've never known. It may be the confidence that produces a fruit in us that every time we go out in the name of Jesus, it's not because we're begrudgingly doing what we were called to do and check that box. But we're doing it because we're motivated by what God's done in us. We're motivated by the love we've seen, and we want that to be seen in the world. And so it's not the problem of the question. It's how we allow it to lead us astray. Because I'll be honest with you, we read in there, he said, this is written to you for those who are trying to lead you astray. Sometimes I'm the one that's leading me astray. That's just the truth. And so how do we move? How do we get past this thing? Because in the end, it was like Michael was saying up here earlier, what's got us in that place? Our feelings, right? That's got to be the thing. Don't be in your feelings. Don't get all in your feelings, right? But trying to feel our way to God, that's one of the, the things that, that can create a, a spiritual deception in us. And the enemy will gladly let you walk into that. He will gladly let you think you are who you think you are. He will gladly let you think that you are who you say you are. He'll, he'll let you check all those boxes and he'll leave you alone and, and sort of reinforce that. Well, I must be the person I say I am because I don't have these battles and struggles that I see in some of these other people. Everything's going pretty good right? We're, we seem to be on track, and yet I never knew the assurance and the confidence that comes in a real relationship with Jesus Christ. We can't feel our way into things. If feelings have done anything for us, they've proven that they can't completely be trusted, right? You ever just met that person to where you meet them and you're like, God, I know I'm not supposed to be like this, but I'm pretty sure I hate everything about that person. Just from one little encounter, I, I, I'm fairly certain I hate them. And then you get to know them and you kind of, most of the time you're forced into knowing them at that point, and you get to know them and you wind up, this person's incredible. This is one of the best people I've ever met. They might even be your best friend right now. Some of you may have that story to where I hated this person when I first met them, and now we're sitting in church together. It's incredible, right? Our feelings will lie to us. We know that. They lie. They're, they're a part of it. Don't get me wrong. It's hard to explain God out without that word feeling coming up, right? And so the reality of the ad is there. But our feelings will lead us astray. They will lie to us. They will convince us of something that's not true in who we are. So how do we push back against that? How do we, how do we measure ourselves against God's word and know who we are in him? How do we find our way to that confidence? How do we find our way to that place where there is no doubt in my mind that I am who I say I am in Jesus? He has... I have completely surrendered my life to him. He consumes every thought process that I have. Everything that I do in my life is central to what Jesus said. And so John helps us out, right? He helps us out. He, he takes us through and he gives us some measurables. So let's look back at three and eight, or three through eight. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them, and this is how we know we are in him. 
Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. And, and so we see this word pop up over and over and over and over again. So if we have come to know him, or we know that we, we have come to know him if we keep his what? Commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is made truly complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And we go on, and a command, a command, a command. So the most obvious question in there is what's the command, right? Where do we go? What, what is this command that will assure us of who we are in him? What is this measurable that we can use in our lives to see if we are who we say we are in Christ, if Jesus has consumed the throne of my life? And so John helped us out there too. In John 13, 34, it says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So these are the words of Jesus himself. This is the command I am giving you. Second John 5, and now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask you that we love one another. We're starting to see, make some headway, right? And so we hear this message of what is it, what is it from the beginning? First John 3, 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should what? Love one another. Right? And so if we're going through and we're trying to figure out what is this command, what is this thing that, that's going to show that we are not a liar and that when we say we know him, that the truth is in us and we are who he is, and who is it going to give a confidence not only for us, but it's going to clear the waters for everyone that we come in contact with? Do I love? Do you love a brother and a sister? If we're going to be like Jesus, what did, was there a greater love ever seen on the face of this planet than Jesus Christ? He would go where no one else would. He would go amongst the ones that no one else would touch. He would go right where the sinners were, and he would sit amongst them, and disregarding every thought from every other religious person that was checking all the boxes and say, we don't do this because they're unclean. They're impure. And he was willing to cross over every barrier. He was willing to get outside of what religion said was the thing to do. And he was ready to go to the places where no one else would go just so that they would know, I love you. He was overwhelmed. Love. There's never been a more abundant act of love than the example of Jesus Christ. So if we're, if we're in this place, if we're struggling, if we're trying to figure out where we are, or maybe we don't even know, and, and everything just seems muddy, it seems glazed, the first question is, how do I love? Do I even love? Do I have a love in my heart that's greater than anything that's within me? Does it supersede everything I want? Does it supersede my desires, my wants, my, my lust, the things that I see, the things that I think because I feel bad will help me, right? I don't feel so good. I'll buy another car. I don't feel so good. Maybe a new house. 
I don't feel so good, so maybe a new wife. I don't feel so good, so maybe I'll change churches. Right? Feelings pull out of us. And they will never satisfy the thing, that, that desire, that, that large hole that we know is there that only can be filled by God, and yet we constantly live off our feelings. We constantly live off of how we think we're doing, and then we constantly make plans and strategies to fix the problem that only God can fix. And the truth is, I've just never received the love that he has shown me time and time and time and time and time and time again. And I could have went on there for a long time because we all know it. He has loved us and loved us and loved us and loved us. And the truth is, sometimes we can't see it. And that's not always our fault. The situations get hard. Some of our lives, some of our upbringings, the person that was supposed to love me, the person that was supposed to build a trust in me, the person that was supposed to be there for me and secure me and give me a security that I couldn't get on my own was the person who hurt me the most. And that's fair. It's fair. But I can tell you one thing if I don't know anything. The one person that was supposed to love you and didn't will never, ever love you like God loves you. No matter what they would have done. I love my kids. Praise God, I'll never love them like God does. There's no, I don't have it. I don't have that thing in me. I love them and I'll do anything for them. But I'll, I'll never love them as much as God does. And you know what? That's the best news I've ever heard. It's the best news. And so to trust that the love and understanding what love is can come from something here on this earth, we can. We can experience love. We can have that, and, it, and we can experience it in a way, but it will never equal the love that God has shown us in Christ Jesus. Never. That love changes things. That love overcomes any feeling you will ever have. That love is not counterfeit. It's real. It's a real love. And there's power in that love. There's assurance in that love. There's confidence in that love. And what that love does is it moves us to move out. What was the very first thing that Michael talked about, the very first series? You were saved from something, but you were also saved for something, right? So how do we move into that place? Because the biggest problem is getting over myself. How do I move in that place to get to that for something? Because I have to know that I am loved by God. And then I have to receive it because that can be a challenge too. I have to know what that love is. I have to know what this love is doing. Because the truth is, when we hit those moments of questioning, when we hit those moments of doubt, when we're trying to figure out who we are with God and trying to get real with God, the litmus test is going to start with, First off, do I even know him? And if I do know him, then I should love. And I don't know that love is the way I would describe my life. Love for others. Love for, for those who are less fortunate. Love for those that don't look like me, that don't talk like me, that don't sound like me, that, that dress differently than I do, that smell differently than I do. If I'm going to be who Jesus said I'm going to be, then my life should be defined by the same thing that Jesus is, is a sacrificial love that, is bold, that creates a boldness to go everywhere someone else won't go. Because a religious person will check a box, but they won't go somewhere that's not on that list. They won't go somewhere where people look different, they won't go. And if they do, it'll be a begrudging, I'm gonna go help these people and make myself feel better about me. 
there won't be a true, genuine love, a sacrificial love, that it's not about me in this moment. It's about you knowing Jesus and experiencing his love in a way that you never have, a way that will transform your life. Because if I know him, I'm going to keep his commands. And he commanded me to love above all things. And let's actually, let's look at that. Let's look at at the command that, that Jesus gave. In John 15, 9 through 17, we get to see what it looks like when when we are in love with Jesus, when we are abiding in his love and, and we see how that looks. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay, his down, lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servants do, does not know what his master's doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, praise God, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And so as we're looking at, at who we are, as we're measuring where we are, as we're hopefully getting real with God, the question comes in, what are, what are some of these things that we can do? How am I, I going to move into this place? Because what he's saying here that if I do those things, I'm abiding in his love. I'm obeying his commands. I'm experiencing his love. And if we go back to 1 John, it's going to be made full. It's going to be made complete in us, right? If we're moving in this place of love, that we're operating in this place of sacrifice, if we're for, forsaking everything about us for the sake of everyone else around us, then there's love. And it's not just a love like what we've seen. It's a love that's complete. It's a love that only God can do. And we're overwhelmed. And so maybe when we're sitting in that place and we're looking and we're going, maybe a trip. And don't hear me. Don't hear me. A vacation's good. Take a vacation. Vacation's good for you. You need to rest. Don't hear that. New car, there's nothing wrong with a new car. There's nothing wrong with a new job. There is something wrong with a new wife. Don't do that. I figured I'd get an amen. But what if in that place when we're, we're in our feelings and we're trying to figure out who we are, what if we just ask God, do I love what if I just said, why am I serving? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why did I come into this place this morning and, and stand out in the parking lot? Why did I, I stand in a hallway? Why did I serve kids? Why did I go to Chatham City Apartments on a Saturday? Why am I signed up for this short-term mission trip? And why am I maybe thinking about going to the ends of the earth? Because we need to. It was a command. 
Because this is a deal. This is one of the things that this church has done so well, and this is one of the things that I love, is that the opportunity to do the things, to operate in the commands of Jesus are there. We can give you the how. You're responsible for the why. You're responsible for the why. And that's where self-reflection comes in. That's where these moments of, of wavering come in. These are these moments in our life. Because let something bad happen. That wavering will start pretty quick if you're not careful. Get a bad phone call. Get a life situation. Get something turned around. And all of those things that you've convinced yourself of, they start to fold up on you. All your feelings that got you to this place that you are who you say you are in God. Let some bad news come in. How's them feelings holding up? They don't hold up as well anymore, right? So maybe the place of reflection is the place we want to be. And guys, if y'all want to come on up, the the music team, we're going to land a plane here in just a second. Maybe the place of reflection is exactly where God wants us. Maybe that moment that we think that we can't see the end and we have no idea how this is going to look. We have no idea how this is going to turn out. And we're just struggling. And we're wavering and we're doubting. And, and there's nothing of love. There's nothing of, of following commands. It's just how do I handle this situation? Maybe these moments of self-reflection are good. So that's my question for you this morning is, how are you doing? How are you doing with God? How are, how are we, when it comes to operating his commands? You know, if you know anything about my story, you, you know that, um, that I'm, I've been in recovery for seven years now. One of the things recovery treat, teaches us, because we're constantly working these steps, is as you go through the steps, it's just constantly taking an inventory of your life. It's constant self-reflection. It's constantly seeing where we are. And it's one of the best things for knowing where we are and then knowing where we need to go. And so this morning, if we want the fruit that only assurance can bring, then we have to have the assurance. We have to have the confidence that we are who we say we are in God. We have to know that we are obeying his commands, and in those commands, his love is being made complete in us. That we're being sanctified, we're being molded and shaped to be what Jesus called us to be, to carry the anointing that 26 and 27 show us into the places God has called us to go. So the first question this morning is, do you even have that assurance? You may have walked into this place this morning not knowing Jesus, just knowing that there was something there, knowing that that there was a hole that, that has never been filled, has never been satisfied by my feelings or the things of this world, knowing that there's something missing, and you come into this place because maybe somebody invited you, maybe you saw the sign when you rode by, maybe you just heard, maybe somebody loved on you, maybe that was what brought you into this place, and praise God. But this morning, if that's you, If you've never experienced God's love and you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus this morning, then we don't want you to leave this place without that opportunity. And I promise you, we are going to celebrate because there's no greater news than one who was far from the kingdom that comes home, who was operating in death, and now there's new life. 
And so here's the other thing. That's a, that's a bold step because I know these tensions get high in here and your heart starts racing, and, and that's a bold step. But one of the things I've realized that, that I just want to encourage as well that's also a bold step and possibly even bolder. Are you the one that's been telling everybody your salvation is secure? And you know it's not. But pride and fear and anxiety and, and what men think about you overwhelms you and stops you from ever knowing the assurance of salvation in Jesus Christ. Because you've been checking boxes for years. But you know the truth is you've been living off your feelings. And so I want to give an, an opportunity that if that either one of those people are you, first off, I want to praise your boldness. But second off, we're all going to celebrate with you. Because it doesn't matter where you are. If you've never known Jesus or you've just told everybody you have to move in that moment that can happen right now, my debt is free. It's cleared. It's paid. I'm free in Jesus Christ. I'm free to experience love like I never have. I'm free to, to boldly profess his name with confidence and not have fear in the back of my mind, what if they find out the truth? What's a life look like where you're not worried about checking boxes all the time? So if that's you this morning, if you're the one who wants to step into faith, will you just raise your hand? We have people who want to pray with you. They've been praying for you since you got, before you got here. They've been praying this entire service. They've been praying for all of us. And they want to give you, they want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. So if that's you, will you raise your hand this morning? Amen. And so for the rest of us, I'm just going to ask that question again. How are we doing? How are we doing? Because we know God wants us to walk in the assurance of who we are in him. We know God wants us to walk as he commanded us. We know God wants to, his love to be made complete in us. And you may need something this morning from him to know that love. You may need something from him this morning. You may need to let go of something this morning to, to have that assurance rekindled, to have that fire reignited, to, to have that confidence that moves us for the right reasons to go for the sake of his name. Because maybe you've been living a little bit lately in your feelings instead of in the truth of God's word. So if that's you this morning, we're gonna, we got a time of response. We're going to sing a song and we're going to get out of here. We're going to pray and close it down. Why would you run from this moment when you can experience the love of God by laying it all at the foot of the cross? This is a beautiful place right here. Why would you run from that? God, I need that love. There's nothing wrong with wanting love. It changes everything. So if that's you this morning, these altars are yours. We're gonna play a song and no matter what, if we don't do anything else, we're going to worship the name of Jesus because he's worthy of it. And we're just going to bask in the love that he lavishes on us as we praise his name. This time is yours.